uh, our main idea this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. We should be, we should be on guard so that we're not deceived or anxious. We're not deceived or anxious, okay? So I want you to think about as we're sharing this, this main idea this morning, have you ever felt deceived? Have you ever felt anxious? Okay, don't, you don't need, to raise your hand, don't need to raise your hands, okay? You don't need to elbow the person next to you, okay? Have you ever felt deceived? Have you ever felt anxious? And so the main idea of our time this morning is that we should be on guard so that we're not deceived or anxious about, you ready? The end times. The end times. Now, we've kind of talked about this. We've kind of talked around this. And, and, and to be honest with you, um, I wish that Mark 13 had something else in there so that we really didn't have to go to the end times this morning. Because um, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those, those, those things that, 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 that you get to talk about and you're kind of like, oh, we're going to go there. Right? Any preachers in the room know what I'm talking about? Okay, very good. All right, and so, but we're, we're going to go there, and before we read our text this morning, let me talk about this for, for a few more seconds to kind of build this up. Christians and non-Christians alike, Jesus followers, non-Jesus followers alike, are fascinated by the issue of the end times. Even if they're skeptical, even if there's skepticism, and, there, and there's probably, if we're honest with ourselves, skepticism in this room about much of what they see. Right? That there's a skepticism, but there's a, there's a fascination around the issue of the end times. Um, uh, I, I noticed, uh, I don't even know how long it's been, six, seven weeks ago, um, when, 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 when Ukraine uh, started to blow up all over the news, um, all, 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 you know, my, my feeds started, started um, blowing up with, with pastors changing their messages to the end times. Right? And, and we're all fascinated by this when is this coming when is this coming when is this happening unfortunately much of the skepticism that we have or that we see or that we experience is warranted when you consider the 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 the, the spectacularly um erroneous um just crazy predictions of so many quote-unquote prophets One commentator said pseudo-prophets. Um, and and, and I want to I go here this morning. So, so as I dug into this a little bit, this, this was fun. No one has swung and missed more than the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay? Uh, whose false predictions currently stand at nine. You ready for this? 1874. 1878, 1881, 1910, 1914, 1918, 1925, 
1988. 88 reasons why the rapture is in 1988. Not to be outdone, New Age advocates, and let's let's not even talk about 2000, um, but New Age advocates cited Mayan calendars and predicted that the end would come on December 21st, 2012, which is right around the corner. Wait a second. (laughs) Ten years ago. And they were, of course, wrong as well. And I, continue, I could continue down this tragic trail even further for quite some time. There are many out there that have said many things that have caused much skepticism around end times. When's Jesus coming back? And Jesus, towards the end of his ministry, and is very appropriate, very appropriate, that as he's going to the crosses, he's heading to the crosses, he's heading towards the end of his ministry on this side of heaven, on this earth. It's very appropriate that he would spend as much time as he did talking to his disciples about what was real. Because I don't know if you're anything like me and you're in a situation where you're just hearing so much about something. What's real? Like, just give me what's real. Just give, don't give me what you think. Don't give me what you heard. Tell me what's real. Anybody ever felt like that recently? Okay. Just give me what's real. And so Jesus does that. Mark chapter 13. Um, again, where we're going to spend our time this morning. We're going we're gonna to read verses 1 through 13. And then we're going to jump to 28 through 37. Okay, I wanted to hit all 37 verses this morning, but if you know me, I couldn't do that to you. Okay, We'd have been here for quite some time. So, uh, chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And as he came out of the temple, Jesus, one of his disciples, said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. His disciples are trying to get him his attention on the building. What wonderful stones. What magnificent buildings. What wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? They're pretty, aren't they? Like you can just see Jesus, right? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Why did Jesus say that? I'm glad you asked. We'll get to that a little bit. Verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, tell us, when will these things be? And what will the sign be when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am He, and they will lead many astray. And we hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do not be alarmed. Underline that, star that, highlight that in your text. Do not be alarmed. This must take place. I love that he says that. This must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. There are but the beginning of the birth pains. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Verse 9, but be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, 
and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. That's a nice verse, isn't it? Like, can we just pause and say, wow, sign me up. I mean, I love the language there, beaten in synagogues. Verse 10, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. Verse 11, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you're to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, I'm sorry to disappoint some of you, okay? Um, but, but, but I will not be giving a prediction on when Jesus comes back today. And so if you, if, you need to, if you want to get to lunch early because of your disappointment of hearing that, it's okay. No judgment if you get up and walk out, okay? But I do want to talk about what Jesus is, is, is saying here, okay? So let's, let's unpack this. The Jews were proud of their temple. They were proud of their temple. They were proud of what they had, they had built, what they had seen come. Jesus had already given how he felt about it, but his disciples were fascinated by the magnificence of the structure. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, how the, how the Jews were, were overwhelmingly proud and blessed, and that temple was sacred, and for good reason. And for good reason. Imagine how shocked they were, though, when Jesus informed them that the building that they admired so much would one day be demolished. The Jewish leaders had defiled it. It didn't mean what it was meant to mean before. We ever seen a building turn into that? Um, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest reminders of this uh, for me is, is I used to be a part of a gym in the center of Gorham uh, where, where I would do burpees and all kinds of godless things and, and, uh, and, and sweat and cry and puke. Anyway, let your imagination go. And, uh, and, and now I go there and eat chocolate chip cookies. It's a bakery, and there's some of the best chocolate cookies I've ever had, aside from Carol Bartlett's. Um, but, I, I mean, it, 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 now, now I go there, and, 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 and I do the complete opposite thing that I used to do in the same location, right? It has a different meaning. And, and before it was a gym, it was a frozen yogurt shop, and so it's just gone full circle. Before that, it was a laundromat. And so it's like, it's just, you know, some of you know the location I'm talking about here, right? But it didn't, it, it wasn't accomplishing the thing it was intended to, to accomplish. The Jewish leaders had defiled it. Jesus would depart from the temple. He would leave it desolate. The Romans would destroy it. And so can, can, can I just pause right here? Because I know, I know some, if, 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 we're all thinking about a building. We're all thinking about a place. Maybe it's the home you grew up in that's now a business, Maybe it's, the, uh, maybe, it's the, maybe it's the church you used to go to that's not a church anymore. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the, maybe it's the thing, and, and, and we're sitting here, and, and it's probably, it's very tempting to think this as we're sitting here, right? We're the church, and we're in a middle school auditorium. What are we doing? Why are we here? 
right? And, 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 and it's tempting to think about that. So, so can I just say this? I'm not saying this for effect. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I just, as I was reading this this past week, I was overwhelmed by this thought, by this feeling. I would stay in this middle school as a church forever if they'd let us. Let me tell you why. We can't get obsessed with this building. We can't get distracted by this building. We can't sit around and look at all the improvements we would make on this building. I mean, we can. I mean, there's a few. But I'm not Norm Justice. I'm not the facility staff of, of, of Gorham Schools. And so if I brought those suggestions to them, they would say, great. Who are you going to hire to do that? And I'm not, I'm not that invested. I can't idolize this building. I can't come back to this building 10 or 15 years from now and think, oh, if it wasn't for this building, I would not be a Christian. I can't. I can't. And, and, and right or wrong, listen, hear my heart here, we do that. We do that. We replace God's beautiful picture for a people with a building. Well, Travis... Aren't we in the last month of our capital campaign? Yeah, we are. Well, that sounds hypocritical. I get it. I get it. The reality is, and that's why I said I would stay here if they would let us. They're not going to let us. We can't be a church in transition forever, unfortunately. Although, theologically, aren't we all in transition? <laughs> I mean, we could take that to the school board. I don't know. Elders, think about that with me for a moment. Maybe we can talk about that, okay? Right? But, but, hear, but hear my heart. We, we've got to have a tool. We've got to have a resource. Right? We've got to have a resource. But the warning here and the beauty of what Jesus is doing here, again, he's flipping their culture. He's flipping everything that they've talked about, everything that they've built, everything that they've based their faith on for so many generations up on side of his head, on top of his head. Because he's saying the temple is not the thing to worship. The body is the thing to worship. Let me, tell you, let me tell you, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. I, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If y'all want to change locations, just tell me where to show up. Just tell me where to show up. I'm not here, I'm not here for the middle school. I'm not here for 53 County Road. I'm not here for 368 Gorham Road. I'm not here for Cressy Road 112202. I, I, I really... I, I really, hear, hear my heart, it does not matter to me. What matters to me is you. What matters to me, what matters to me is what wakes me up on Sunday morning is that I get to come into a space, come into a place, heat optional, AC optional. We've been without it in the hottest days of the summer and it doesn't matter, right? Those things don't matter. Indoors, outdoors, depending on, does not matter to me. We've done it all in the last two years. And you know what that's shown me? That it doesn't matter how comfortable the seats are, how the lighting looks, the screen can be all crooked and all messed up. None of those things matter if you're not there. It doesn't matter. And that's what Jesus is getting across here. He's saying, look, look, 
this thing is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. 53 County Road one day, we're not going to be able to have a funeral there. It's going to be gone. Sad day. I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. But it won't be there one day. It won't be there. And so if we, it, listen, if we fall into a trap of idolizing a place over a people, that is a deep trap. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across here. Jesus is saying, listen, in my exit, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't get distracted. Don't idolize the building. Don't idolize a sports team. Right? Keep the main thing the main thing. Careful of your idols. Okay? Okay. We good? Everybody good? Once away from the crowds, the disciples asked him when this would take place. They wanted to know. Okay, Jesus, you're saying some big things here. Temple destroyed. You're going on. All, all those different things. Right. They wanted to know when this was going to take place. Their questions gave Jesus an opportunity to, to deliver a message. And this message would be commonly referred to, starting in verse 3, as the Olivet Discourse. Why is it called the Olivet Discourse? Because they're on the Mount of Olives. Beautiful picture. When, when Kristen and I got the opportunity to go to, to Israel, the first morning we woke up and we're at breakfast and we're eating hummus because that's all you eat in Israel. Um, you eat it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's kind of like sweet tea um, here um, and, 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 and beans. Um, but anyway, um, and, and, we're, and we're sitting there and they're like, yeah, we're going to start at the Mount of Olives and then we're going to go to, to Caiaphas' house. And then we're going here. And then we're, and I'm like, oh my word, this is awesome. So they hop on these buses. They drop us off at the top of the Mount of Olives. And you're looking into the temple. The beautiful. The, 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 golden, the golden dome thing. That, that's the technical term for it. Okay? The golden dome thing. And, and you're, you're looking right in there. And then we walk down the Mount of Olives, but maybe 150 yards, into the Garden of Gethsemane. And so all of these things are so close in proximity to each other. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he delivers this message. And it's an important sermon from Jesus. And I want us to see what he's communicating to us today. As he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, he's looking into the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew came and asked him privately, tell us, give us the truth, man. Like, like, and, I, and I love that they came to him privately, right? You know people like this, right? Pastor, pastor, tell me the real deal. I know you're not going to say it on Sunday morning in front of everybody, but I'm your favorite. I'm your favorite. So when are we really doing this thing? Or when is the, what's, what's the truth here, right? Like, I'm, yeah, okay. Anyway, tell us when these things will be. What's the sign that's going to be accomplished? And, and Jesus began saying to them, see that no one leads you astray. See that no one leads you astray. And so as we do, as we look at this sermon, as we look at the practical application of this sermon, the Olivet Discourse that Jesus is giving, is that Jesus didn't preach this sermon to satisfy the curiosity of the disciples. I believe that's why we've had so many people get it wrong. 
is because they're not really hearing from the Lord. They're trying to tickle the ears of people and satisfy their curiosities. My job is to not satisfy your curiosities. It's to give you the truth. Thus saith the Lord. Now, you have to take that truth and decide what you're going to do with it. But don't hate the messenger. Okay. Jesus didn't preach this sermon to satisfy the curiosity of the disciples or even to straighten out their confused thinking. He's just giving them the truth. At least four times in the Olivet Discourse, he says to be on guard. Or as some translations that you're probably reading say, take heed. But Jesus is saying two big things here. The first is this. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. If we're to peel back the main points of Jesus' Olivet Discourse here, his, his, his main themes of his sermon here, and say, don't be deceived. Jesus began to say to them, see to it that no one leads you astray. Many are going to come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And you're going to hear war, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do not be alarmed. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be alarmed. That was terrible. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Don't get worked up one way or the other. Trust Jesus. He's got this. He says, don't be, don't be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. This must take place. Isn't that a powerful verse that you want to read to when you're struggling? This must take place. All of these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Let me tell you something, church. Maybe the best news for you today that you get to hear. And again, this is just truth. You have to decide what to, to do with it because we haven't even gotten to the part where Jesus says you're going to get beaten in the synagogues. Okay? It gets worse. It gets worse. Woohoo! It gets worse. And so, and so what we think is bad now. Buckle your seatbelt. But can I tell you? Can I tell you why Jesus is going here with his disciples? Because, he's, because he's, he, he, he's saying, hey, listen, it's going to get worse. Wars, rumors of wars, famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. Uh, all, all, the, all these different things. He's painting a bleak picture. All the more reason for the followers of Jesus to stay together and stay unified. Because you know what? You're going to need each other. Because the only thing that gets you through this, how many of you know this? The only thing that gets you through a hard time is what? People. You're not meant, we look at all through Scripture. God created Adam. He was alone. First thing he said wasn't good, wasn't good. So he took a rib, he created Eve. It's not good for us to be alone. We can't do life alone. And so in Jesus' Olivet Discourse, what he's saying is don't be deceived. Keep the main thing the main thing. And guess what? It's going to get worse and you're going to need each other. You're going to need each other. 
And if you get distracted by the temple, and you get distracted by all these other things, you, you idolize all these other things, then, then guess what? You're not going to be as strong as you need to be. Okay? These signs are the success. Um, um, Jesus listed all these things, the, the, the wars, the rumors of wars, the famine. He listed all these things that must not be taken, must not be taken. Everybody say not. I just want to make sure you got that. Must not be taken as the signs of his return. Okay? Because these signs are the success of false teachers, nations in conflict, natural disturbances, religious persecutions. They've always been with us. They will always be with us. And so, and so we can't get worked up and excited one way or the other when every time the news points to one of these things. They've always been with us. They will always be with us. Do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. And what Jesus is saying in that is don't be deceived. Okay? So three things here. Number one, don't be deceived by false teachers. Go back and listen to our false series on Galatians. Okay, listen to it all the way through. It's great. It's about 34 hours of awesome teaching on false teachers. I'm just kidding. I might, well, it might be true. 12 weeks, uh, yeah, maybe 34. Okay. The pages of history are filled with tragic stories of false teachers and their enthusiastic but deluded message. Now, can I tell you something? For most of those people, it didn't start out deluded. I, I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure some of the people that, 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 Let's keep going. Enthusiastic but deluded message. And Jesus warns about them. Paul warns about them. John the Baptist warns about them. And there's something in human nature that loves a lie. Because many times the lie is easier and more comfortable to get behind. Nobody's going to say amen. There's something in human nature that loves a lie and refuses to believe the costly lessons of the past. Loves a lie. Refuses to believe the costly lessons of the past. Why? I'm not them. I'm stronger than that. I'm better than that. That's not going to happen to us. Well, if it happened to 93 people before you, it might happen to you. Mark Twain said that a lie runs around the world while truth is putting on her shoes. How easy it is for spiritually blind people to follow popular leaders and gullibly accept their simple but full of error solutions for the problems of life. Jesus warned his disciples not to be deceived by those imposters, and the warning holds true today. Well, okay, great, Pastor Travis. What about you? Test these things. Please. I, I, I will be the first, and I don't, I don't want to make, make this about me, 
for very long here. So, so, so hear this really quickly and let's move on. Okay? I will be the first to tell you, um, and, and I've got some people uh, right over here that will affirm this. I'm not perfect. I'm not. Jen, I'm sorry to pop that balloon for you. I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. And your response, one of your responsibilities as a, as a church member, as a member of the body of Christ, as a member, right, is to hear these things, to take them, to go read Mark 13 this week, and to see how God speaks that over you. And if there's any question that you have after a couple hours on Sunday, immediately following the sermon, then bring them to me. Say, hey, this didn't sit well. Can we talk about this together? Go to your small group and say, I'm, I'm wrestling with this. Pastor Travis said this on Sunday. What do I do with this? There's a check in my spirit here. There's a check in my spirit here. And you need to hear me say this. You need to hear me say this. The thing... The thing that I take most seriously at Summit Church outside of our unity is the pulpit. It's the pulpit. Hours, hours, days, months. I'm looking at Christmas this year and what we're going to preach through. And yes, I may turn on Christmas carols as I do it. <laughs> Don't judge. Hours go into, even on the Sundays, I'm not here. Even on the Sundays, I don't preach. Hours go into checking in with who's preaching and saying, hey, you good? You good? You ready? Hours go into it. Hours go into it. And so, but still, but still, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Everything you hear, everything you hear, check it. A podcast, check it. An article, check it. Check it. Let us not be a people that blindly and gullibly accepts truth because we like it. Or rejects truth because it offends. But that digs into finding truth. Okay, let's move on. Alright? So, um, uh, false teachers. Right? He's saying, don't be deceived by false teachers. Number two, number two, this will be much easier to talk about. Don't be deceived by political conflicts. Okay? Much easier. Much easier. Right? But much more self-explanatory. Okay? Don't be deceived by political conflicts. Look at verses 9 and 10. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Let me tell you something. If we agree on the gospel, hear me church, because this is hugely important for the direction of Summit Church and what you need to know you're getting into if you're a part of this church. Okay, If we believe on the gospel, I don't give a flip how you vote. 
If we, can, if we agree on the gospel, if we agree, and, and listen, so we can't hold those things against each other. People have reasons. And he's saying, don't be alarmed. Don't, don't be discouraged. Don't, don't, don't get wrapped up to them. He, he warns them not to be disturbed by political conflicts among the nations. Keep the gospel. All he's saying here, the gospel must be proclaimed everywhere. Bear witness before them. Bear witness before them. The Roman Empire had enjoyed a measure of peace for many years, but it wouldn't last. It wouldn't last. And as the empire decayed, nationalism developed, it was inevitable that nations would come in to conflict. I'm thankful we don't have conflict anymore. Amen? And all that Jesus is saying here, and hear my heart, hear my heart, hear my heart, okay? All that Jesus is saying here is keep the gospel central. Keep Jesus central. And I think for many people, it gets flipped. They care more about how you vote than if you love Jesus. And that's sad. That's sad. And it doesn't have to be that way, does it, Paul? Ask Paul about the first thing he told me when I became his pastor, but we don't have time for it right now. It's really good, and he can stand out in the lobby and tell you as you leave. Last thing, he says, don't be deceived by natural disasters. <laughs> but, we ha but it happens, doesn't it? There have always been earthquakes. Jesus is saying this. There's always been, there, there, are, always, there are always these things. All these things are going to happen. There have always been earthquakes and some have different meanings like God's wrath but what Jesus is saying here is that since natural disasters have many causes it's dangerous to make them signs of the end times it's dangerous to look at an earthquake or to or to look at another natural disaster and say oh Jesus is coming back people get ready we ought to be saying oh Jesus is coming back people get ready every day every day not voting season, not earthquake season, hurricane season. Not, like it, I don't think there's an earthquake season. Is there, maybe, I don't know. You get the point, right? All right, so he's saying don't be deceived. And then secondly, he says don't be discouraged. Not only were they to be on guard, they were also to take heed themselves. Why? Because they would face increasing opposition and persecution from sources both official and personal both official and personal. And it was important that the believers, that the followers of Jesus, the disciples that he's talking to, use these experiences, opportunities to make much of Jesus. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, verse 11, don't be anxious beforehand 
what you're to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I want you to make very clear here, okay? A lot of pastors, a lot of my friends, my brothers, use this verse to not prepare for sermons. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying get in the pulpit unprepared and just speak what the Holy Spirit tells you. That's not the way. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, he's saying, and, and I've heard it. It doesn't matter here. If, it doesn't matter if you're sitting here this morning, you're untrained. You've been a Christian for 37 minutes. God wants to use your voice. God wants to use your story. God wants to use your platform. He has formed you. He has created you. He has brought you through things. He's brought you to this place so that you could be faithful with the gospel message in your platform, in your place, in your space, with your voice. He wants to proclaim the good news of His Son through you. Through you. Not through your hired hand to go do all the work. Through you. It is all of ours. And we must accept the call as the body of Christ to proclaim the gospel no matter what. And the platforms we come in, come in contact with. We must. I, I, I was in like three or four rooms this past week. And this is, the, this is the most it is the most exciting, passionate part of, of, of my life. It's not even my job, it's my life. It's walking into walking into these rooms where I'm the only one that goes to church and knows Jesus. And being able to share about the priorities of my life. Can you do this on Sunday morning? Man, I can't. I can't. I can't. Sunday morning is sacred for me. And I, and I, have, to, I, have, to, I have to be at church. I have to be at church. I have to be at church. And you know the conversations that starts? It's so fun. The platform that gives me is so fun. It's so fun. Anyway. Sorry, that was free. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. It would be easy for these common people to face courts, governors, and kings. I left out a big word there. It would not be easy for these common people to face courts, governors, or kings. Why? Because they're common. And in this day, status was everything. Your, 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 your training was everything. But Jesus assured them that the Holy Spirit would help them and be with them. Every conversation I go into, every meeting I go into, every sermon, my prayer is, Holy Spirit, have your way. Give me the words to say. Give me the words to say. And that's not a cop-out. Jesus promised him to help us. And so, when we don't know what to say, we ought to be calling on the Holy Spirit. This is an encouragement for all of us who want to honor it to Him. Okay, so let's look at verses 28 through 37. Okay, we've got to catch a couple things from here. And then we're going to jump over to 1 Timothy and we're going to be done. Okay, we're going to be done. 
Uh, UConn plays at 8, so we're good. All right. Verse 28. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. Okay? And again, please, 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 please check out verses 14 through 27. Okay? I, I hate... Uh, you know what? Verse 24, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give us light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. What a beautiful day that will be and that ought to cause us so much joy and excitement and, and anticipation that erases, erases, erases any trivial, trivial struggle that we have right now. Verse 28. Then he jumps to an illustration. Still in the same Olivet Discourse, still in the same sermon, he's still sitting on the top of Mount of Olives looking at the gold dome thing. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son but only the father so i want you to see something this is hugely important here okay hugely important jesus the son whom peter james and john they're pulling aside they're saying tell us when's this going to happen when's this gonna? he didn't even know the Father knows, only the Father. So, so Jesus is speaking from a perspective. It's not like he's withholding information. He's saying it truly isn't the biggest thing for you to know. It's truly not the thing. Stay on guard. Stay awake, he says. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you all, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The parable of the fig tree that he goes into there, the story, the illustration there, verses 28 through 31, that parable, that story, cautions us to watch and to know the signs so that we're not deceived or discouraged. Not so that we know the time. He's, he, he's saying these things are important to remind you to not be deceived, to not be discouraged, to not be anxious about those things. But the parable of the man on a journey that he closes the message with. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in. Warns all of us today to do two things. Number one, be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Because we don't know the day or the hour. You don't know when that hug will be the last.
You don't know. John Bishop, incredible man of God, head of school at GPCS, Wednesday morning on a field trip with his high schoolers to Boston. In glory. Funeral was yesterday. Worshiping. Paul Hawks drops Beth off at the airport in glory. We don't know. We don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not preaching hellfire and brimstone this morning, preaching truth. You don't know. And so that thing that you're holding against your neighbor right now, is it worth it? If they're gone tomorrow? Because Jesus loves them just as much as He loves you. They believe differently. They think differently. They smell a lot differently. Is it worth it? Be alert. Not only that, how is your walk with Jesus? I asked the staff on Monday if there was a book written from the last month of your prayers. Your prayers written out in a book. How long is the book? Paragraph? Chapter? Book? Short story? How long is the book? Be alert. Because we don't know the day or the hour. To watch. When Jesus says to watch, to stay awake. He means to be alert. Stay at one's best. Stay awake. And then secondly, be faithful. Like he gave people work to do. Stay awake, tend to the house, the master of the house. Jesus has given us all tasks to be responsible for and to be faithful to. And he expects us to be faithful while he is gone and to be working until he returns. We don't retire from this work, we don't graduate from this work. Vance Havner used to say, faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first. Faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first. You can't remove struggle from life. You can't. Jesus promises it. But you can improve your ability to handle challenge. I struggled with how to end our time this morning because there was so much I wanted to read to you. But the worship team is going to come 
And uh, I don't know who's running video this morning. I think it's Rob back there. Is it Rob? No. Who's Dylan? Dylan's back there. Hey, Dylan. You're you're right there running video. Sweet. Technology. So it's not the passage that's going to be up there. I wish I could go through. I wish I could go through this morning and read First and Second Timothy to you in, in entirety, but I can't, so that's homework. Okay? I, w- I was going to read First Timothy 4, but instead I'm going to read the end of First Timothy 6. And I'm going to start in verse 11. Okay? So let me just read this over you as we think about being alert, not being deceived, not being distracted, and staying faithful. But as for you, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of Jesus which He will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or who can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, there to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Stay faithful. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. That's the end of Paul's first letter to Timothy. And that is what I charge us with today. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid, avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life. Stay focused on Jesus. And proclaim Him every opportunity you get. Every opportunity you get. Every opportunity you get.
Thus saith the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. If you're sitting here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you a chance to today. I don't feel that we can preach a message about the end times without giving an opportunity for salvation. And so if you're sitting here today and you say, my eternal destination, I don't, I don't really know what it is. My ticket has not been punched because I haven't invited Jesus into my life. And can I tell you that a life with Jesus is way much more than punching a ticket? It's full. I mean, we, we talk about the joy of salvation. We talk about the joy of salvation. And we talked earlier about skepticism, and, and there's a lot of good reasons for skepticism of Christians today. I mean, there, case in point, there's not enough joy in his house. There's not enough joy in his house. But there's so much to a life with Jesus that I want for each and every one of you in this room. And so if you're sitting here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus today. I want eternity. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. Would you just lift up your hand and you can put it right back down? Anybody at all? Say, today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to invite him to come into my heart and live forever. Anybody at all? Five seconds. So God, I pray that we would avoid the babble and that we would focus on you. That we would be a people on mission for your glory and for the growth of your house. In Jesus' name I pray.